got a Bible or look on if you can't to, to open your Bibles at uh, uh, the book of Hebrews uh, and chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry time and divers or different manners spake in times past unto the fathers uh, by the prophets, talking about the fathers of Israel, the Old Testament time, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the heavens, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And I want to talk a little bit about the relationship here today of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit tells us about Jesus Christ, as we know, as the Son of God. But the Bible tells us here that he was the express image in verse 3, express image of the Father. The word express image is only used as once in the whole of the Bible. And, uh, you know, when you look up the meaning of it, it's uh, relating, of course, to the fact that the Lord is very much identical to the Father in every aspect. It means an exact copy. It means even to the very character of the original. In other words, the character of God was through Jesus Christ. And so God's Son was the express image of his Father. But I want to go on and talk a little bit more about this, and I want to quote to from another version, the Amplified Bible, of the, the latter two verses we quoted. And we find in verse 2 it says, But in the last of these days he has spoken unto us in the person of his Son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, and also by, by uh, any through whom he had created the worlds and the reaches of space, and the ages of time he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. And it goes on talking a little bit more about Jesus and that he says, He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light beam, the outrain, or the radiance of the divine, and is the perfect imprint and the very image of God's nature, upholding, maintaining, and guiding and propelling the universe with his mighty word of power. And when he had offered himself, accomplished our, clear, our cleansing of our sins and the riddance of guilt, he sat down on the right hand of the divine majesty on high. And so it paints a very, really clear picture of that relationship that Jesus Christ had with the Father that he is the express image of the Father. And if we went back to the Old Testament, this wouldn't be apparent, particularly for the children of Israel, where God made a statement in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 6. He said, Hear, O Israel, our God is one Lord. In the Old Testament, the only one that was, and the word Lord means to be supreme in authority, the only one that was moving in the situation, even though there's an amazing number of references to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. We find that 
to the children of Israel, the Lord is one God. Then we read in Galatians, in chapter 3, just to refer to it, that God is still one, in the sense that he is the ultimate supreme. But the law of the Old Testament was insufficient, because the law was perfect and man was not. The Bible tells us that righteousness is not by the law, because we cannot live by the Ten Commandments. We fail. Every one of us failed in that regard. And we're shut up, in a sense, from having a real faith in God because the law was so definite. But we also read in the same chapter about wherefore the law was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. It was like our teacher. The law had perfect things written in it. The problem was man. But the whole intent of God in the Old Testament in the law was ultimately to bring us unto Jesus Christ. That we might be justified in God's eyes by faith and not by the works of the law. As we said, the works of the law, we failed in that department. But we can be justified by having faith in Jesus Christ. The law made us aware of our sin and our problems and our difficulties and we needed one to be an intercessor on our behalf to act for us so that we might be able to restore that relationship with God. The Bible talks about this in Hebrews, about there's like a, a wall or a petition between us and God, exactly the same in the Old Testament in the temple. In the temple, there was the holy place and the holiest of holies. The only one allowed into the holiest of holies was once a year the high priest providing he didn't have any sin upon himself, providing he had the blood sprinkled around the bottom of his garment and there's certain things he had to do. And if he wasn't cleansed, before he went in, he would be struck dead. And so the Bible is telling us very clearly that that petition between us and God had to be broken down. And the only way it was broken down, the Bible says, was when Jesus went to the cross. And the very last words that Jesus said on the cross of Calvary were the words, it is finished. That the Old Testament was finished and now the way was open for the New Testament for Christ to come in. And that's why when Paul wrote, he said, and if you be Christ's, and we'll talk a little bit more about what it means to be Christ a little bit later, then in the true sense you are the seed of Abraham and your heirs to all the promises of God by faith. Not a law, but by faith. For it does have the words, a different law. It's called the law of life in Christ Jesus. And it frees us from the law of the sin and death that mankind was subject to. We have to be justified by faith. In the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, therefore being justified by faith, that's when we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ again. The only way to God in the New Testament is through Jesus Christ. And so the Christian doctrine about God and about Jesus and the Holy Spirit is, is very unique to all religions. There's no other religion like Christianity in that regard. 
And it demonstrates one very important thing. And that's the emphasis of God on the divine fact that the three of them are really one in the message of the Bible. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So the coexistence of God and Jesus Christ, the Son, God being, of course, the Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit, when they come together, the Bible calls this the Godhead. And the Godhead is very important because that's the eternal unity of God himself and his word. You can't have one without the other. That's the message that is very clear in the Bible. And the Bible teaches of the invisible God that it's from him that all revelation comes from or proceeds. And then when the Son came, that the Son, Jesus Christ, he brings that revelation of God from the Old Testament to reality. And he brings it to pass by keeping every aspect of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law of God like no man has ever been able to do. Because Jesus, the Bible says, was perfect. The perfect Lamb of God. That's why God accepted his offering on the cross of Calvary for us. And then, of course, as a result of it, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, God outpoured the Holy Spirit on that day that they were waiting and wondering what was going to happen, the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2. And when they poured out, he poured out the Holy Spirit, the New Testament church began. Until the day of Pentecost, the New Testament did not begin. And it began with the fact that the Holy Spirit was poured out. The disciples received the Holy Spirit. The evidence was that they were speaking in tongues, even though they weren't even expecting that. They all spoke in a new tongue as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And there's a very good reason for that. It's a pure language. When you receive the Holy Spirit, God says, I'll give you a new tongue, a tongue you've never learnt. So when you pray in that new tongue, you cannot curse God or man because that language, praying in the Spirit, is a very pure language. And so that began the New Testament. And I might point out that the book of Acts didn't finish in the final chapter. The book of Acts is still going on because we're still in the New Testament time. You see, God knew what this man was all about. But right back in the beginning, we read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, where God says, let us make man after our image. And it was the work of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that moved the creator of the heavens and the earth. The Bible says, that Jesus was there in the beginning. All things were created by him and for him. So the work of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost goes right back to the book of Genesis. But Jesus' role did not take place until he said it is finished. The Old Testament and the New Testament was about to begin. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, just to refer to it, 
In fact, we might look at that. Matthew chapter 28. Just a couple of thoughts here. Matthew chapter 28, and just a, a few verses here, verse 16. Read, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee. And the reason it says eleven, because this was after that, uh, you know, Judas had betrayed the Lord. And then the eleven disciples went away to Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus appeared. And in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe whatsoever of all things, whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so this is called the Great Commission that the Lord brought forth. And this is before even the day of Pentecost. But Jesus spoke to his disciples to teach them one of the first things. That when people are baptised, not like John the Baptist, you're a repenter, you're a sinner and you've got to repent and bury your old life. He's saying to them, when you baptise someone, you baptise them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So he gave a very specific direction here, in the name of the fame, the renown, the reality of Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 8. So that's called the Great Commission, before it even took place. Romans 8 and verse 8. If you go to the verse before, it says, because the carnal mind, the natural mind, is enmity or wars against God, it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can it be. And that's our natural state before we come to know the Lord. We have a very carnal mind. It's called being in the flesh in the scriptures. And that's why it says in verse 8 that I was going to start with, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And he goes on to explain what the results of having a new life will be all about. He says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And the important part is, if so be, that the spirit of God dwell in you, must be in you, not just with you. Now, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Very clear description here. He is none of his. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwells or dwelleth in you. And so we're seeing here, particularly in verse 9, Again, the reference that I mainly want to look at today, you can't separate God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Because it tells us clear here, if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
which is the Spirit of God, dwells in you, and you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong. So it's talking again about the aspects of God's determination to confirm his word, the signs and wonders and miracles. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in a new tongue as at Pentecost, you have the work of the Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit of God, and you have the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 5, the epistle of John. The latter part of the Bible, First John chapter 5. We'll start reading here about the marks of the new birth of being born again. In verse 1 we read, Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You've got to believe again in Jesus as the Son of God, as the Saviour. And through him you can be born again. And everyone that loveth him, that begatteth love him, that is begotten, uh, him also that is begotten of him, if you love God. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Again we're saying that what God's laws are are perfect, but we don't have to find them hard if we love God because we want to please God. This is really the message we see here. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And this is he that came by water and by blood, even Jesus Christ, and not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. And there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, which is the Word of God made flesh, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. And if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he did testify of his Son. And he that believeth on the Son of God have the witness in himself. If we believe all this, we have the Spirit, we have God, we have Jesus within us. And he that believeth not that God, uh, not God has made him, made God a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And so it's telling us very important things here. You cannot have just one or two of these aspects in your life. You cannot have one without the other to be complete. There are three that bear record we read here in heaven, and there are three that bear record on the earth. Some people say, I believe. And they'll quote a scripture like Romans 
to say, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. But this is letters are written to the spiritual church where they'd already enacted what God had asked them to do. So just to believe in God is not enough for God. Others will say, well, God, I've been baptised. Some even say, I've been baptised by full immersion, the only way in the Bible, and therefore I'm saved because I've been baptised. And others will even say, sometimes I've received the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues, but I'm not baptised, but I know I'm saved. And many of us who have been around for a long time have heard these things said repeatedly. But to God, unless you have all three, you are not complete before God. You must be born again of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And that came through Jesus Christ. Let's look well, we're back here, First Peter chapter 1. First Peter in chapter 1. In verse 2, Peter writing, of course, to the church. And he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. But who's he writing to? He says, elect people according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, for the sanctification of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, under obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us, or born again, or regenerated, again, under a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away and is reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith and unto salvation ready to reveal in the last time, on the day that the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. So we're elect, as it says here, according to the knowledge of God the Father, what God the Father wants us to do. We're the elect because we've been sanctified, which means set apart by the Holy Spirit coming into our life, as happened at Pentecost. And the third thing we're elected for is the fact that we understand the life and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin and opens the door for us to enter in to the kingdom of God. To an inheritance, the Bible says, that has been reserved in heaven for us for now, waiting to the day that the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. And again, these verses are very clear. It's said quite clearly that it is all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned, the word name means the authority or the character of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The name, as I said, mentions the authority or the character. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, just to quote, But unto us there is but one God, Paul writes to the church, the Father 
of whom all things and we in him and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we by him so it's the work again of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit that makes us exactly what we are and I want to just turn a few moments to look at the, what the Bible says of how that without one it's incomplete. We have some slides for a few moments. Have them up. I want to have a look at just some quick aspects of in the name of the three. The things in the scriptures that relate specifically to the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't quite know how to do it, so this is why I put them all together and made each a reference. Because there are a number of aspects of the character of God and of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that are very evident through the scriptures as to the fact that they are all equally involved in the same situation, shall we say. The Bible tells us that God's eternal. That Jesus Christ is eternal. And the Holy Spirit is eternal. Just to quote it quickly there, and I've highlighted the part in, in white might not sharp so well. In Romans chapter 16, talking of the Father, talking about God, but now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God. He's made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, what we need to do. So the everlasting God is the eternal one. The Son is also eternal. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 13, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So Jesus Christ is eternal. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit, the Spirit is eternal, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. All three are holy. In Revelation chapter 4 it says, And the four beasts, and each of them had six wings about him, and we're going to go into the story, they were full of holes, uh, full of holes, full of eyes within, and they don't rest day or night. And they're saying in heaven, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, which was and which is and which is to come. Talking about Jesus Christ, he too is holy. In the book of Acts chapter 3 and verse 14, but you have denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you talking about Barabbas, and killed the Prince of Peace, whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Jesus is also the Holy One. And then in First John chapter 20, uh, 2 and verse 20, where we have an unction from the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, and you know all things. 
they're all omnipresent. The word omnipresent means they're everywhere. There's no place where God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not. Being omnipresent, we read about the Father in Jeremiah chapter 23, 24. Can any hide himself in secret places? God says that I shall not see him, saith the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? He knows every little spot in heaven and earth and sees it all. He's omnipresent. The Son. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, which is his body? The fullness of him that fills all in all. Again, he's, he fills people with the Holy Spirit from one side of the heaven to the other when they look to him. And then regarding the Holy Spirit, it says, whether shall I go from thy spirit? Or whether, the psalmist David wrote, shall I flee from thy presence? Because the Spirit's everywhere. Omnipotent, all-powerful. The Father, it says, in Genesis chapter 1, and when Abraham was 90 years old, and 9, 99, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God and walk before me and be thou perfect. I'm omnipotent. I'm the almighty God. My power is unlimited. Talking of the Son, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, and we're just putting one scripture of each to show that these are emphasis through the scriptures. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. That's what Jesus is saying. Which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty like God. About the Holy Ghost we read in Romans chapter 15 verse 19 and through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that you, that from Jerusalem round about Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ because the mighty signs and wonders come from the power of the Spirit of God the omnipotence of the three. Omniscient. God's omniscient, and so is the Son and the Holy Spirit. Just a letter there. In Acts chapter 15, known unto God are all his works. He knows everything from the beginning of the world. Relating to the Son, we read here that Peter was grieved. <coughs> this is Peter, the disciple of the Lord, because he said unto him the third time in John chapter 21, lovest thou me? Jesus, he, he denied the Lord three times and three times. He asked the same question, does he really love him? And he said, thou knowest all things, he said about Jesus. Thou knowest that I love thee, and Jesus said unto him, I've got a job for you, Peter, feed my sheep. And then the Holy Ghost, in 1 Corinthians 10, that God has revealed them unto us, by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. Go the deep things of God, the Spirit is everywhere. The Father, the Son, they're omniscient. Who is true? In John 7 verse 28, And then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, and you know whence I am, and I am not come of myself, 
But he that sent me, God my Father, is true, whom you know not. You don't know him, really. Talking about the Son being true, and the angel of the church in Revelation 3, to the church in Philadelphia, write these things, saith he that is holy, and he that is true. And that's, of course, Christ. And he that has the key of David, that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. And the Holy Spirit is true. In First John chapter 5, he that came by water, uh, is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, and not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit that bear witness, bears witness, because again, the Spirit is true, or truth. Who created the heavens and the earth? In the beginning, Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, for by him, by Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. The Holy Ghost. We read in the book of Job, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. All there. Who's the sanctifier to set people apart? The Father, in Jude 1. You, the servants of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Talking of Jesus, both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And that's, of course, Jesus Christ. And then in First Peter chapter 2, we've quoted the scripture before, elected according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit under the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ who created the Father. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And again we read in Colossians all things were created by him that been through this once and has duplicated it and the Holy Spirit of God has made me the sanctified then the sanctified in Christ Jesus Jude the brother of James to them is sanctified which means set apart preserved in Jesus Christ and called in Hebrews 2 both he that sanctifieth talking about the son and they who are sanctified the saints they are all one which causes not shame to call them brethren First Peter chapter 2 again we read this one before that we were elect according to the knowledge of God through the sanctification of the Spirit, through the obedience in the blood of Jesus Christ. Who's the source of eternal life? The ways of sin are death. But the gift of God the Father is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus said in John 10, I give unto them eternal life. He gives eternal life. And they shall never perish in the Holy Spirit it tells us here in Galatians 6 that he soweth to his flesh shall reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Who raised Jesus from the dead? That's an interesting question. First Corinthians says quite clearly that God has raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So God raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus himself in John 2 said, the temple in the uh, uh, in Jerusalem, 
that took 46 years to build, you destroy it in three days, I'll raise it up again. He spoke of his body. So Jesus is able to rise from the dead. And then the Holy Spirit, it tells us for the Spirit, for Christ also offered, uh, suffered for our sins, the just and the unjust, to bring us to God, putting to death in the flesh, but quickened or brought to life by the Holy Spirit. So the important thing that we need to really understand, particularly if you're new here today, that you have a promise of the Holy Spirit available to you. It tells us even the Spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive because it seeth him not and neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This is from John chapter 14. And the important conclusion of what Jesus said to his disciples even before they were born again. And that day you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, you will know that I'm in my Father, you in me, and I in you. And just the final thought. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.